Lindsay Grove. Hi, I am Quinn Lundquist. Welcome to Viral. This is the show where two public health nerds talk about the history of plagues, disease outbreaks, and the people who work behind the scenes to keep us safe and healthy. So, here we are. National Public Health Week, the finale. Yes, and guess what we're going to talk about? Ooh, what? The right to a healthy life. I think that's a good way to end things. I 100% agree. Yeah. So, do we have the right to a healthy life? I think so. I think so, too. And if that's the case, which we both think it is, how do we guarantee this in a culture of individualism? Oof. That's a tough one. It is. But it's not as tough as I think most people perceive it. Because, guess what? A lot of other countries have done that. Although, I think... Many would put this in the uh, in the framework of a right to health care, right? Universal health care as a right to a healthy life. But we know that it's a lot more than that, right? It's not just the right to being able to go to the hospital and not end up in, you know, bankruptcy. The social determinants of health illustrate the reciprocity between health and education, so or economic mobility, social capital, housing, there's a lot more, right? So we know that there's so many other factors besides just being able to access healthcare that really make up what it is to live a healthy life. Many in the public health profession argue that we actually have a moral imperative to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to live their healthiest life, especially given our global economic status as Americans. We are the richest country in the world. So we have the best health outcomes, right? Spoiler alert, we don't. Oh. Yeah, we're actually ranked around where Cuba is ranked. And no offense against Cuba. I mean, a I little. love Cuba. <laughs> I love Cuba. Not universally recognized for their robust healthcare system. They do have socialized medicine, though, as well as socialized education. Well, and that lung cancer vaccine, right? They do. They just don't necessarily have the resources From to all the buy. cigars. They need it. They really do. Um, but the difference between us and Cuba is that Cuba does not have the same sort of economy that we have at all. Because guess what? We have an embargo on them. Ooh. So that's, like, really impacted their economy. And their, you know... Uh, their capability of being able to access resources to really make their healthcare system better. But we have all of those things and we have outcomes around the same as Cuba. Oh boy. Yes. So I would actually argue that there is an economic reason why supporting the right to a healthy life is important. And that's because prevention efforts and increased access to care can actually help mitigate the high cost of health care. You can't work if you're sick. And if you can't work, you're not contributing to the economy. Exactly. And in fact, you're probably costing more money to the system than exactly. you're bringing in. And so if you've got a lot of sick people, uh, your economy's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're uninsured, uh, there's... Not just the cost of being uninsured, right? You go to the ER, there's ER costs for that because you've waited so long to actually address your health issue 
you know, there's not just the ER costs. There's actually, you know, costs related to like Quinn said, you know, not being able to go to work. There's also debt that you incur from being uninsured, which could lead to bankruptcy, uh, foreclosing on your house, which impacts not just your ability to accumulate wealth, but even your kids. Yep. And that has a big impact on our overall economy. It is extremely expensive to be poor. Mm-hmm. 100%. And like I said, many other countries have kind of figured this out just in being uh, providers of health care for their citizens. And they've also demonstrated better health outcomes in the U.S., despite our high quality health care. So we have some of the highest quality of health care, but some of the most mediocre slash worst health outcomes. I mean, our uh, maternal mortality rates are almost on par with some developing countries. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. I don't know how would uh, Mr. Mr. Capitalism, Henry Ford, what would he think about how we're pumping all the money into the system that is not giving us outcomes that are doing well? No, they're not. And they're not doing well for uh, different populations and minority groups. There's been a lot of research recently that has come out that has looked at, you know, the mor- the maternal mortality rates among African-American women and how it is significantly different than their white counterparts. And that was even education was controlled in that. So not even education can mitigate the health impacts of racism, which is crazy. So. The other part of that is that these same countries that provide health care, some of them actually also have a lot of really robust social programs. They These programs address issues like housing, education, and other social determinants. And that may also explain uh, their lower mortality and morbidity rates. So, you know, there's even the concept of, you know, universal wage. Right. Like some countries have actually considered adopting policies that ensure that every single citizen has a baseline wage that they get, that they are guaranteed to regardless if they're employed or not. I think they've started experimenting with this in Finland or Iceland or One of Sweden. those, one one of those Nor- Norwegian. Norwegian, those great Norwegian those Scandinavian countries. countries. So I guess my first question would be. Is it time for at least universal health care here in the United States? Oh, absolutely. That would unequivocally mean that our values align with the thing that we're doing. And if our value is you have a right to health, the thing you need to do is at the very least provide universal health care. I, I watched this documentary a while ago and they were interviewing other people uh, in countries that had socialized medicine, right? And they were interviewing interviewing this elderly gentleman in the in the UK and asking him about his feelings about, you know, having universal health care. And he had said, you know, after the war, we as Britons really felt like it was important that we had a system in place that took care of each other. We saw the ravages of war, especially as an island, and we felt like We need to take care of each other. And so that's when the NHS was created to ensure that all Britons had access to health care and they didn't have to worry about, you know, being taken care of for the rest of their lives. It's not a perfect system. No, not at all. You at least are not going to think about 
oh, can I really go to the doctor? Do I have a friend who is a doc- has a friend of a friend who's a doctor who can talk to me because I don't have insurance or pay for this? I mean, it is stressful. It is stressful. On top of all that, you're not feeling well. Absolutely. Or something's going on. I mean, you know, you speak with other people from other countries like Canada or, you know, or the U.K., And you start talking about, like, well, I don't know if my insurance covers this. For instance, there was a recent situation with um, a loved one where they went for just their regular one-year annual checkup, right? Which technically is covered under the ACA. You know, you shouldn't have to pay for any sort of preventative, you know, annual checkup. And because... This person had mentioned that they had anxiety that was billed under a separate code and therefore the insurance said they wouldn't cover it. They wouldn't cover a diagnosis of anxiety. So the moral of that is, so I need to check my insurance before I go for a visit to make sure that if I disclose to my doctor any sort of covered or uncovered, uh, you know, ailments that it's covered. That's not the world we should be living in. Nope. Especially when we've been talking, we talked earlier in this week about behavioral health. That right there, I mean, that mental health parity has been a huge issue in the health insurance industry and with the ACA. That's crazy that you can't disclose to your doctor that you have anxiety because you're worried that you're going to end up with a $300 medical bill. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. No. And what if that person was suicidal or, I, I mean, there, it's just, that's just, that's crazy to me. Especially working in public health when we know that, you know, in this country there's a huge wealth gap and that impacts a person's ability to be able to make choices for themselves for the good of themselves, their family. I mean, you should had you should not have to choose between your health and providing for your family. Yeah. So keeping the lights on or keeping your body on. Yeah. Your life, that's a your really good on. way of putting it. That's a no. That's a good way of putting it. You really can't turn your body off. <laughs> you really can't. But I will say I, I've seen some programs um, that have really expanded on this. Um, concept of, you know, uh, almost like diagnosing social determinants of health. Like some people are like, you've seen some doctors prescribe housing or prescribe, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, nutritional food as a way to, you know, help people because they understand the environmental impact of, or they understand the impact of your environment on your health. Mm -hmm. So I think that's awesome. Me too. And I, I, I get this feeling that we're moving in a direction where people, now that they've seen, or they've had to, I guess, take ownership of their own health insurance and they see how crazy and complicated it is because of the ACA, I think a lot more people are like, I kind of wish I didn't have to deal with this, so could maybe we do universal health care. Yeah, for real. So, so that's, that's the right to a healthy life. I think everyone Short and sweet. should have the right to that. I do too. Well, um, I think that'll do it for us and for National Public Health Week. Woohoo! Um, we hope you enjoyed our little mini marathon of um, episodes, and we will be back in your feeds in about two weeks with a new full episode. Um, 
in the in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us and tell us, um, you know, your thoughts on on this week, and if your school or if your community did anything really cool for National Public Health Week, let us know, and you know, maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. Um, so uh, we can be found on www.viral-pod.com and uh, also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, please review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever please. people review podcasts. Our uh, intro and outro music is Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. And uh, why don't you give us that, give us that final out <laughs> thing that we say. Uh Please remember, wash your hands. Please do. This has been Lindsay Grove. I'm Quinn Lundquist. Thanks for listening. Bye.